0: Bring, bring it bring it you Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at eplroundtable at gmail.com.
1: Hi, I'm Jake, Newcastle Fan, uh, and you get me on Twitter at Jake 2 ms
2: Hey there, I'm Jay from the Eagles Beak Palace fan site, like by fans, for fans. So I'm also host and producer of a local community radio show, sports show even, the Meridian sports show. You can get me at the Eagles Beak on all socials and at the Meridian SS on all socials as well.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining me today, Jake and Jay. Uh, We were just talking before the show. It's almost been a decade of this. Um, So an absolute pleasure that both of you have been involved so long and that we get to start the season off properly uh, with both of you. Obviously, huge thanks to uh, Russ for covering all the championship stuff with us last week. And then this is officially, you know, episode one of the new season. So glad to have you guys on, folks at home. Hope you're excited to have us back in whatever your preferred podcast service is. Uh, But I figured we'd start off... Not with all the rules changes. We'll get to that in a sec. But there seems to actually be sudden news uh, in the Premier League right now, which is everything that's happening at Chelsea. Obviously, Thomas Tuchel losing his mind after another defeat. Uh, I think they're still in America after, obviously, um, losing to Charlotte a little bit earlier than that. And it just kind of got me thinking about everything that's been going on at Chelsea. Go- going all the way back to last season, obviously, with all of the Abramovich stuff. Him obviously gone. Todd Bowley now in as the the new owner. They've already missed out on some some key targets that they were aiming at, probably most notably Rafinha. Um, Then it seemed like they finally had Jules Koundé signed up and now it seems like he might be heading to Barcelona. Uh, They weren't able to take N'Golo Conte and a couple of other players because of vaccination issues on their tour. There's just a lot going on right there. The preseason losses I mentioned. Thomas Tuchel is now already mad. They weren't super great down the back half of last season. I was just curious your guys' thoughts on... On how that's all been going, this this tumultuous Chelsea off season, and even dating back to the ownership change last year.
1: Yeah, I think I think we should start off by saying that pre-season doesn't really matter. <laughs> so <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Um, it's literally just about fitness and maybe trying a, a few tactical things. It's players that really give a hundred percent, and yeah, it's it's especially for these big clubs. It's more. Um, more on the on the sponsorship sides and, and trying to grow your brand than it is about preparing for the Premier League season so I will not worry too much about that I guess in, in the wider frame with Chelsea they've obviously got had a lot of changes um I think that the, the signings they've made are quite positive um I think that um Sterling is probably going to be coming into the best years of his career and he's already mm. had an excellent one I think that he, he's a He's, he's still a little bit underrated, I think, in this country. Um, so I think he's a great signing for them, and he's going to be the, the sort of the main player for them. So I'd imagine that he's, he's going to be desperate to, to show that he can carry that status after being a bit of a bit part player sitting last couple of seasons. So yeah, it'd be it'd be good to see him there. I think barley has obviously had a big reputation for a long time. It'd be interesting to see how he adapts to English football. I think he may be a. I think he's coming into the league a little bit old, but um, I, I thought the same about Thiago Silva, and he, he's a little bit younger than Thiago Silva, was, so. Yeah, it's, it's obviously a, they're obviously making signings to challenge for the here and now. Um, so yeah, you can see why Tuchel is, is maybe a little bit more animated than, than other coach would be. This isn't a you know a long term project. It's definitely there's definitely a little bit of short termism there now. So um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be too worried. Um, I think a lot of the transfer stuff has, has made them look a little bit amateurish at times. I think Rafinha, um, obviously waiting for so long, didn't really reflect well on Chelsea the same now with Koundé it seems that history repeating itself he'd have thought they might have learned the first time um, and, and Boerle is obviously <laughs> appointed himself as a, the interim sporting director or something along the title of that description which is <laughs> exactly what I would do if I bought a football club but perhaps isn't the wisest thing to do so yeah, I think there's going to be growing pains there as he adjusts and gets the right people in place um, obviously he, he believed that he's got that in the manager in Tuchel but um People that have, have, have know more about Thomas Tuchel's career, to this day, I've always said about him that he he does sort get abrasive the longer he's in more uh, the longer he's in a job. He does like to have conflict with those above him, and maybe we're starting to see that come out a little bit um, in his comments. So it'd be interesting if that's a trend that continued as it did at PSG and Dortmund before that, or if it's. You know, just a, a one-off comment, and things will start to improve. It's, it's definitely interesting times. I wouldn't get too worried about them yet, Obviously, their ball hasn't been kicked. So, yeah, anything can happen. But there, there are some question marks there. Um, they obviously need to get a few more players in, especially in defence. I don't think that they've got enough defenders. And, and I, I think I saw—I didn't see all the highlights of the game yesterday—but the, the defending for the for the Hazy score was was very, very poor, both in the sort of um, positioning and the. Individual errors that were made—it was—it it did look quite amateur. But they, they they seem to be undecided in what formation they'll play. So they've got players coming back in from loan. Jay will not know more about Conor Gallagher, but he seems to be getting a little bit of stick for for how he played. Yeah, just there seems to be a lot of unknowns with Chelsea, but they have still got a couple of weeks to sort stuff out. And I'm sure, yeah, they're gonna—they're gonna have a strong season. I think they've got too many good players and a manager that. That it's too good not to. I think that yeah, I wouldn't read too much into it. Yeah, if, we, if we're having these conversations in November, maybe I'll be a little bit more worried about them. But yeah, it's, it's very very early. Yeah, I agree with much of what Jake said there. I think Chelsea are
2: uh, well. It's kind it's kind of a it's like a new dawn for them, isn't it? Really, because obviously Abramovich was in charge for or owned the club for so long that it's it, it's been an an enforced change. So that it wasn't something they were planning for or expected. So I think there's an element of, you know, a new ownership coming in. It took a fair chunk of time. I mean, it went pretty close to the wire, didn't it? And obviously things will change when it comes to funding and things like that because, you know, Bramovich had buckets of cash, didn't he? Let's face it. So yeah, there may be some difficulties there. Um it's been interesting to see how, you know, the the approach to signings have been whereas before they've always well they, they've they more often not been pretty successful in terms of getting their targets uh in um maybe that's more to do with the money that that um that they've thrown them in the past maybe that's got to be um you know pulled back a little bit because new owners and you know um maybe not quite so many funds but it, it takes time doesn't it it takes time it's interesting like uh like jay said that the new owners come in and made himself a sporting director whether that's just an interim move would be interesting but you know the, the, the actual Signings that they have made, I've been quite impressed. I mean, this is Chelsea. Let's face it. I mean, they, they always make pretty decent signings. It just depends on how you know how they acclimatise to uh, to the way of playing. Um, the abrasiveness of Tuchel, yeah, I I, I get a frustration a fair bit. I mean, you know, I'd rather I'd rather managers be be like that rather than you know, um, you know, pretty chilled and that on the touchline. Nothing wrong mm-hmm. with that. You know, every manager's different, aren't they? So um, <clears throat> it's interesting. He's touched on Barcelona, they getting Rafinha. I mean it, 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 I mean, it. this is a podcast in its own. But how are Barcelona can afford to bring all these players in, I'll never know. Um,
0: <laughs> My but, theory is uh, that money is made
2: it. Recently up. said, so you know, being beaten to, uh, to to Rafinha and the like is uh, it, it is an interesting one. Um, but Bastia, so yeah, Connie Gallagher is a real, real interesting one. Um, had a great first half of the season for us. He won all sorts of awards last season. Second half of the season, he wasn't as good. Uh, I have to say, maybe that's as co- maybe that's a bit controversial, um, but to be honest, I mean, you know, he he did a great, great job for Palace last season. There's no doubt about it. And you know, Chelsea I saw playing against Arsenal. They played him out wide. I mean, this this is the thing that that frustrates me is that if Tuchel had watched how Conor how strong Conor was for Palace last season in the position that he played, and you're going to start playing players out of position you know, they're not they're not going to be they're not going to be as good in that in a a different position, you know. Um, some players, yeah, you know, they're utility players, and you know, this is what I think has happened to Ruben Lutch's cheek since he's come back from injury is that he's being he's being asked to to, to fill voids in or was asked to fill voids when uh, they had injury suspensions that stuff like that last season. Um, you know, instead of giving the guy a chance and playing him in a position that he's, you know, he, he he's excelled at, I think Conor Gallagher is a perfect example of that. I'm going to watch that with interest this year because we had no chance of getting Conor Gallagher. Let's yeah, let's put that on the table. There's no chance of us getting him. I thought. The only opportunity we had was actually taking him on loan for another season. You know, with the World Cup coming up, he's got into England squads. I think I do think that'd be detrimental to his England's ambitions being back at Chelsea because he's not going to be first choice. I really don't think he's going to be first choice. He's got to do a lot to get into that team. Um for Palace it was brilliant last season. Like I say, first half of the season is flying. Second half of the season, you know. Don't get me wrong. He still he still made valid contributions and stuff like that. But uh, a very good player when you play him in the right position. Uh, He got a lot. He got a lot of stick from Chelsea fans already saying he's not good enough. Give him a chance. Just give him a chance. I mean, if if any Chelsea fans watched any of what Palace did last season, then you know. But you know, it it could be a it could be a little bit of um, you know little uh, sort of big fish in a small pond as it was at Palace, you know, and maybe it's a little bit different at Chelsea and the surroundings and that kind of stuff. It's interesting because every time I saw Conor Gallagher in, interviewed last season he had a massive grin on his face when playing for Palace um, laughed a lot and was, you know was, was very um, you know, said really good things about the club and and, Fiera and stuff like that. Two interviews I sent in for Chelsea already and he already looked stressed you know, he's not laughing uh, not smiling quite so much so, you know you do wonder that, you know being back at Chelsea is a little bit detrimental, but I wish him well for the future. I really do, because he's a very good player, um, and Chelsea just needs to play him in the right position. Um, as for Chelsea, yeah, I mean, it's another gripe of mine this summer is that you know you got Premier League clubs going out playing Premier League clubs in in far away places like the USA, Singapore, Hong Kong, uh, Australia. You know, Palace have done the same thing. All of these clubs are going out playing the same old team. Just play something different, seriously. You know, I I I, I just. Why did why did Barcelona play Real Madrid in the preseason friendly? I just I don't understand. I really don't understand some of these games. I I, I know it's to yeah to sell the brand and all that kind of thing. But um yeah, it just it, it's been a pet hate of mine this summer. It's been really frustrating to see teams going so far. Um, and obviously I, I understand it, but um yeah, whole different conversation. Chelsea, I'm, I'm I'm intrigued to see how they get on this season. Really, you know, they've got a lot of good players, as Jake said. Um, you know, they are bringing in signings. I'm I'm, I'm it's gonna be interesting to see how Raheem Sterling uh, acclimatizes acclimatise the Chelsea. I think being back in London for the first time in a long time, I think he'll settle straight away, to be quite honest, and he'll be a really good addition to their uh, to their team. Um obviously they have had a few losses, you know, from the squad from last season. But I think they just need to freshen things up and, you know, I think they'll be they'll be challenging in of four again this season. They've got too many good players not to be, but uh, yeah. As Jake said, friendless are friendless. You can't read much into them. It's all about getting minutes under your belt, getting fit, ready for the new season. We're only two weeks away now, aren't we? So um, that that's what it's all about. Wherever they play or or whatever, just get minutes under your belt and then uh, start a season. So yeah, going to see how much you got in the first 10 games of the season, maybe. I think it's only 16 games, isn't it, until we break for the World Cup. So it's going to be intriguing to see how teams are sitting at that
0: point, um, you know, this season, which is going to be very
2: peculiar season i have to
0: say (laughs) yeah you've also handed me a perfect segue because as you say not only are we going to have the world cup in the middle of the season but we're also adding the five subs permanently and i was curious your thoughts on those two big changes to, to this upcoming premier league season and how you think that'll affect you know some of these clubs because obviously it's a benefit to the bigger clubs with the deeper squads uh to have the extra subs but also it might benefit some of the air quotes smaller clubs that aren't going to have half their players flying off to the world cup in the middle of a season just what do you think the impact of each of those will be individually and kind of combined
1: yeah it's 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 a difficult one um i think that for, for the five subs rule, i think that it's, it's difficult to have, predict how that's going to go i think some managers might be reluctant to to use all of them and it's just a nice option to have at uh, times last season like guardiola didn't even make one sub in a game so I can't see him making five regularly. I guess it depends on game state. Um, Yeah, you'd think it would benefit the stronger squads um, and and the the better teams. But I I thought when we had five subs during the the COVID times that sometimes it was a little... It disrupted the game a little too much. Um, And then towards the end of games, when when both both teams had made five subs, the the game wasn't as free-flowing. It was a little bit... um, Stop start and, and it didn't seem to to have the same structure as the rest of the game. So I'd be interested if that's a, a theme that, that continues now, or if managers are a little bit more uh, tactical with it. You know, I can't see you know a team like Fulham making five subs regularly because they just wouldn't have the squad depth of the other other clubs in the league. Um, and I think there'll be others that, that are, are really um, tactical with it. it Maybe somebody like. Steven Gerrard might swap both of his full-backs um, because he likes to play quite attacking. Um, with the full-backs doing a lot of work for so me. That's something he'll do regularly. Or, or, you know, Conte might be a better example. Tottenham have, have so many wing-backs now that maybe they'll swap them regularly on 60 minutes or, or 55 minutes yeah. um, to, to sort of just inject that energy into the game. So it's going to be really inter- interesting. I think every manager will be different. Um, but yeah, it, it is a, just another move that, that benefits those top clubs, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, you know, Burnley aren't in the league now, but, you know, last season Burnley would have been able to, to, to make five subs and continue to compete at the same level. This year it'll be Fulham and um, Nottingham Forest and, and um, Brentford perhaps as well, to have deep a deeper squad. Um, you know, there, there are there's, there's still clubs in, in the middle of the table that, that do have quite good quality throughout their squad and will be able to make changes, but... Just not to the same level as, as the top teams. Like you're going to see Manchester United having players um, like Martial on the bench, um, players like that, and they've just got such, such deeper squads. Um, Liverpool as well, like they could they could swap their entire front line, and uh, yeah, definitely going to benefit some more than others. It'll be interesting to see how Jurgen Club manages it after complaining about it all year last season if he doesn't start making five subs regularly I'm gonna be very disappointed. Um <laughs> but yeah, I think I think it's another move that strengthens the bigger clubs unfortunately and, and it's probably gonna to lead to to fringe players, players like Conor Gallagher and Armando and Broja being being left at, at their parent clubs, not really playing enough football just because so they've got those deep squads so they can make these five subs regularly. Uh, and yeah so it m- might be damaging for young players coming through at those top clubs where they won't get the same opportunities and they perhaps have in recent years, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see how it develops.
2: I think, yeah, Jake's right. Everything you said there, I, I think it's hugely damaging to the integrity of the Premier League, to be quite honest, because you know, this is all because of certain managers complaining about, you know, playing too many games, playing too much football. Uh well maybe they shouldn't travel so far away in the in the in the preseason, perhaps, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but um I, I, I find it ludicrous that you know we're pandering to certain clubs i mean if you're a successful club then you know don't moan about it why, why are you moaning about playing too much football you know liverpool were fighting on all all, all fronts last season and i've got a lot of time for that jurgen club but it just annoyed me last season moaning about it it's you know it's what happens with success if you want to win competitions you know domestic and uh european then you know just deal with the hand you dealt. Just get on with it. You know, some clubs don't ever experience anything like that. Um, to, to, for the FA, I, I get why the decisions have been made. Because obviously we've come out of a very difficult period of time. Football is back in its in its truest sense. Fans are back at grounds, that kind of thing. And obviously there's an element where you want to protect your investments in terms of players and be able to change players. And I get it from that perspective. But it just seems a little bit, leaves a bit of a sour taste on that. Like Jake rightly said, you know, clubs like Fulham, you know, they're going to end up changing their keeper three times in you a know. <laughs> in a game because they're gonna have keepers on the bench, you are not gonna have as big a squad. And that's not offence to Fulham at all, it's the same for newly primary clubs. You know, it is unfairly balanced as it is. And I, I don't mean that in terms of the rules in the Premier League as such, but, you know, likes a Liverpool City, the sort of money they're spending on players, you know, you can't you cannot tell me that it's fair to be able to have, you know, when you're pay, facing a team, you've got multi-million pounds worth of talent on that bench uh, for Liverpool, whereas, you know, somebody like Fulham, Bournemouth or Brentford will have three youth players, four youth players at some occasions. You know, if you're going for a bit of an injury crisis as well, you know, or suspension and stuff like that, you know, they're going to bring on, you know, this team are going to bring on a £25 million player they spent, bought in the summer, and uh, and Fulham are going to uh, make a give a first appearance to, a, to an 18-year-old. You know, it, it's just... Highly unfair, and it just tips the scales into these big teams' favours at all. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of fans of big teams listening to this, and they'll be saying, Well, no, that's not quite right because you know, somebody, you know, teams in you know, all levels of the Premier League can spend money. That's not the case. You you don't, you know, clubs don't spend the same amount of money as, as the likes of City, Chelsea, Liverpool, United, that kind of stuff. You know, these teams are going to have massive squads of players, they're going to be able to retain players as. Jake rightly said at Chelsea, for example, Conor Gallagher, a lot of cheek. You know, they're gonna they're gonna be retained at clubs on the basis that they can have a stronger, uh, stronger bench. Um whether that whether that makes those players feel comfortable, I don't know. Maybe it will end up you know, clubs being able to retain players more because they are you know, being part of the matchday squad and actually with an opportunity to have some more minutes because there are five substitutions in the game now. But yeah, I take Jake's point at the end now. I'd be I'd be very frustrated if Klopp doesn't take full advantage of this, uh, even in the first game of the season. Um, and if he moans this season for too much football, then, you know, maybe we can find another rule to bring in for him next season.
0: Yeah, you bringing up Gallagher and some of the Chelsea stuff, I think is a really interesting point, because I'm sure you guys remember one of the proposals was that it's three subs and then the extra two would have to be homegrown players or academy grown players. Um, which could have also helped the national team, also could have helped ensure um, minutes mm. for players like that. Uh, of course, Gallagher might still get those minutes without a rule like that, but I thought that would have been a really interesting way to maybe mm. balance it. That you can't just buy another like sixty million pound player from you know Europe or South America or something like that, and then um, use the the rule to expand that far. But yeah, it, it does seem like it'll be a detriment to the smaller clubs. Do we think there's like any chance that the like Weeks leading up to the World Cup and the weeks after that, some of the smaller clubs will have that advantage, though, because they won't have so many players gone because of of that World Cup.
1: Maybe, but it, I still don't think they would, because you know these top players they they, they they're durable, and and if they manage correctly mm. and with the fire sub four, they're gonna they're gonna get their rest, and even even Liverpool, you know players at Liverpool like Curtis Jones and Alex, I'd say Chamberlain. Um, Simicass, these types of players—they're not going to be going to the World Cup, so they're, going to, they're still going to be fresh, and they're still—they're the types of players that would walk into a lot of the clubs but outside of the top yeah. six. So but even you know, we, we might view some of these squad players at, at the top clubs as, as not being very good. It's just because they don't get the opportunity to show it. If they if they played for a team lower down the league, we'd see it. So mm. even the quality they've got in backup is still is still so strong and. Uh, yeah, may, maybe, but yeah, if, if it is, it's only going to be a very small adv- uh, small advantage for a very negligible amount of time. It's not going to mm. be one that, that lasts for, for weeks or months, so yeah, it's, it's difficult to see.
2: Th- this is just one season though, isn't it? Let's face it, this rule is in, True. you know, for, it is, this is, this rule has been brought in permanently, isn't it, going forward, so we're talking one season and let's face it, football's stopping for the World Cup, so yeah, I totally get it that uh, um, you know, players are going to be off to the World Cup and not not really going to have much of a rest. But you know, there are clubs out there that are going to go on tour during that period of time, aren't they? So you know, it's uh, it's it's not a huge amount of difference. I mean, the players have got to stay fit somehow during that period that aren't going to the World Cup. So you know, in a way, it's not a it's not a lot different, in my opinion. Um, players will you know they can't just stop playing football. It's going to be a very odd season for a number of reasons, and that being the main one. Um, but yeah, going back to point, this is it's just one. You know, this is just one season. It's it, you know it's going to stay you know going forward, isn't it? So I, I can only see it. I mean, the, the, what you said, Kev, was really was really interesting about the uh, the additional rule, i.e., making sure that there's like two of those players or three of those players being you know youth players, because I think mm. that would be the only way of diluting it a little bit from benefiting the big clubs so much. Um, and it may sound like I've got a big club by it, but I, you know I don't I, I don't have anything against the big clubs at all um, even though they did try and go to the European Super League but uh, I'm still not <laughs> over that um, but yeah I, I think it has to be fairer than it is I don't think it's fair at the moment you know clubs like you know, Liverpool went and spent 45 million on Diaz last last January. I mean, you know, not many other clubs spend that sort of money, uh, at, you know, in that in that kind of uh, transfer window, you know, that window, um, let alone in the summer. So, I just, yeah, I I just think it makes it even more top heavy than it already is. And I'm I'm intrigued to see how it is actually how how it's used, how the five subs are used. Not every club's going to use five subs because not every not every manager uses three subs in games, do they? Um, but I think it it might be beneficial for clubs that have a lot of players at the world cup this summer I think I think that could come into play once we get past the world cup and into the next year because I think I think it's going to be a season where we're going to have probably a lot more injuries than we would expect particularly in that second half of the season um for for a number of reasons so so yeah maybe it's the right season to bring in if any but I still don't think it's uh, it's a fair rule change at all
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it all pans out, but I I don't disagree on principle that that could be what ends up happening, Uh, especially the injuries part of the World Cup. But that's a different issue for a different day, and uh, we weren't asked. Um, (laughs) I think we'll go from there into the transfer window. Uh, A lot of clubs doing a lot of business early, some surprisingly with other Premier League. But I'm just curious who you think has had the best transfer window thus far, obviously still six weeks out from, from the
1: deadline. Oh, I hate this question. I think that <laughs> in 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 the modern game, so too much focus is put on transfers, and and yeah. every year we have this discussion. Oh, club X has won the transfer window. I think it was a couple of years. Fulham had won the transfer window. They ended up going down last year. Aston Villa had won the transfer window. They ended up having a very very poor middling season in lower mid table. It happens every year, and it, you know Leicester last year. we were all talking about Patson dakar and how good he would be there. He was just average. It's every. Yeah, it's too much focus is put on transfers. Too much, you know. There's too much. Uh, it, it's crazy that somebody like uh, Fabrizio Romano has to follow. He does transfers. Let's uh, let's admit that transfers are basically like the the sex of football. They sell quick. They sell well, and, and it, it's it is just the, the, the best currency uh, anybody can have. But and that's my rant on transfers. I think they're massively overplayed. Um, but if we're looking at at clubs uh, and the business they've done, um, I'd probably I'm probably gonna. I still think Manchester City probably had the best transfer window. They they've got the best team. Um, they have the best team already. They've added probably a, a player who's already one of the best goal scorers in in Europe. Could become a, a Ballon d'Or winner. Um, he's every single um, level he's played at, whether that be in Austria, um, Germany, internationally, or in the Champions League. He's taken two like a fish to water and just putting a player like that in the Manchester City machine as good as it is already like they're going to have him and he's not going to be a key player for them like he's not going to be their their most important player because the team is just so successful it, it's just scary that they managed to bring him in and he, he, you add Calvin Phillips on to that um, who's mm. coming to replace Fernandinho who's been an excellent holder midfielder we've seen what he can do for England I think he's he's going to be excellent there with Pep's coaching he's going to become even better um, so yeah I think the They've had an excellent transfer window. If they go and inside Cucarella as well, he'd be very good. Uh, And they've moved a few players on as well, which I think is always important. You need to sort of keep your squad fresh. and I think that's something that maybe Liverpool and Manchester City haven't done as well as. uh, Just keeping that constant stream of players through. So I think both have done the right thing this summer and moving a couple of sort of iconic players on, I think that's going to benefit them in the long run. so yeah, I think Manchester City, for me, have had the best one. Spurs uh, have had a decent window, too. Uh, I'm sure, sure I'd be pleased to hear that. I think I'd be quite impressed with your transfer business. I think. That...
0: Well, I would have been pleased if you didn't start your answer by saying all the teams that win the window struggle the next year.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't say you won the window, so there you go. Great. I've been impressed with the business. I think Perisic is a great signing. Um, very, very short-term, but he's going to come And Let's be faith. Let's face it, we knew that Conte is short-term anyway, so you need to get players that reflect that. He's going to come in. He's going to add a lot of quality um, down that left side when he when he's fit and available to play. He won't play every week, but when he does play, he's going to carry a threat and really create space for Son in that that left inside channel. I think that's going to be a really uh, profitable partnership. I think that Basuma is is one of the best central midfielders in the league already. Obviously, he had his court case stuff going on, but that that's now past. So he's he's a player that could go on and and become. You know as, as, good as, as good as anybody, he's gonna I think he's already good for Champions League football and he's only gonna get better. Um, I think Richarlison's an excellent player as well. I think he gets he's a little bit underrated in the country, he gets some bad flack, and he's a player that can interchange with any of that front three, so it'll be plenty of rotation. Sure, he's gonna be one of the, the most common subs that come on, and I'm sure he'll get a step um, shelf start as well. And obviously, Jed Spence is a little bit more long term, but he's, he's obviously got a, a lot of talent. Uh, I'm less sold on Longley, but yeah, you, you had to get uh, get um, a centre back in, and he did show some form at the start of his Barcelona career and and latterly of Sevilla. So I'm sure that Conte's the probably the perfect manager to, to renovate him. So I think Spurs have had a really strong window. I wouldn't like to see Spurs add too many more. I think if you have too many, it sort of becomes a little bit too complicated to get it all mm. to, to go well, especially as Tottenham finished the season well. I don't think they needed. I don't think they needed all these players, but now they've got them, I, each of them, I can see the merits. Um And yeah, I think they're the main two teams for me. If we go down, I'll give uh Palace a little mention as well. I, I think that the sign of Decore is excellent. I think he's a great player. Um I'm surprised. I, I'm not surprised Palace have got him because the Premier League has just got that pull. I think anybody, any Premier League team can, can make a big signing now of a Champions League Cavalier player, but I'm just surprised bigger clubs didn't take a look at him. It seemed that mm-hmm. Palace had a had a free run at him, I'm sure having Vieira's manager helped if if um, it was still Roy Hodgson I'm not sure they'd have got him but yeah, he's an excellent <laughs> player I'd have loved to have signed him at Newcastle I think he's one of the best number sixers in Europe, he's got everything mm-hmm. so yeah, I think, I think he's a great signing also impressed with some of the, the younger players you picked up from Derby as well um, they, they'll they'll develop well so yeah, Palace are, are always doing good business at the moment, which seems to be a yearly occurrence uh, and, and very minimal talk about Wilfred Zaha as well. So that seems to I think that's a, a saga of the past. But yeah. Think think Spurs and City obviously the main ones for me.
2: Yeah, thanks for the uh for the nomination of Palace. I, I just to add that um I, I, I went to see Palace play QPR yesterday. Um first sight of Decorey for some really good touches. He played he played centre mid first half, played centre back, second half. So just showing how versatile guy he is um but yeah some really good touches and you mentioned the derby players plunge and the buoy bue i mean he's he's on his way back didn't see him yesterday uh he went out with we split our squad in half half our squad went out to singapore and australia the other half stayed here and played friends and uh, Abue, uh played row well, i think actually united and showed some real real signs of uh a young wolf <laughs> to be honest uh, which is good. But Wilf was absolutely on fire, yes, against QPR. Uh, QPR could do nothing, uh, nothing with him or they yesterday, uh, which was good to see. Um, back on topic, you've stolen my thunder a fair bit. I was going to nominate Spurs, um, particularly, but City, I mean, having seen um, Haaland in the flesh playing for Dortmund, I uh, just, you know, he is, I, I think the problem we have is that, like Jake said, is the transfer windows are... So built up in this country for for no particular reason at all, because the Premier League is probably one of the hardest leagues to settle in I think we 've seen great players come to this country and still found it difficult to actually you know get games under their belt and acclimatize to you know, to the to the pace and intensity of the Premier League uh, coming from other leagues so i think I think that 's a massive factor. You know, even even days gone by, you had you, you had the likes of Tyrion. Mean, he took a whole season to actually get acclimatized until he actually started looking, you know, very good for Arsenal. Um, even Dennis Bergkamp, I think, was pretty slow uh, adapting to, uh, to to English football. When it comes to Haaland, I think Harland is a is is almost a British striker, if that makes sense. You know, I think he comes to his country and he's he's big, boisterous, and he won't get. He, he will just fit into English football. I'll be very surprised if he doesn't. I, I, I think he's just made for football in this country. And, you know, with with the way that City have changed things this season or going into this new season, you know, there's going to be a lot more focus on Grealish and Mahrez. Um Obviously, you know, they, they've shipped some players out and Kevin Phillips coming in. I think they look stronger than last season simply because the way that they've changed things to to show the setup they've got a proper number 9 who will just you feed him and he's just it goes back to the Sean go today so feed him and he's going to score, that's that's basically what's going to happen with City. Um, and I think that's a worry for the rest of the Premier League, to be honest, because they could probably, they could probably start the Premier League for the next few seasons of Haaland up front. Um, I think the one thing to note is that he's had a couple of injuries of late. You know, he had a stop-start season last season at Dortmund with a few injuries, so that's probably something to, uh, you know, that might hinder him a little bit, but you know, he he, he looks as strong as an ox and sitting in play against Bayern Munich, um, was it last night or night before? Yeah. Um, looked very good scored his first goal and I think City will be a team to stop I think they've been very clever in, I say clever they've still spent money but very clever in what they've done you know shipping players out bringing new players in recycling players and um, they're, they're looking if they get Cucurella in as well um, then that's going to be yeah I think they're set for the new season um, Spurs have been very impressed uh, with, with the additions um, quite a number, um, and I, I think there's always a concern that bringing that number of players in um, can be detrimental. But you know, even if there is a slow start, you know, I think you know these players are good enough and can adapt pretty well to the Premier League. You're talking, you know, some of those players that have been brought in have Premier League experience. I think, which is key mm. for any football club. I think that's massive. Um, I think the jury's still out on Chelsea and and United. Um, as such, the rest of the Premier League, I think, has been. Relatively slow in terms of, you know, likes of West Ham, Wolves, those those sorts of teams. You know, haven't really, you know, the odd player or two, but um, I know West Ham beat Palace to Flynn Downs, which was a bit disappointing from our perspective, so we could have... Could have done with another central midfielder, but obviously, you know, getting Decore in, I think, was a big thing. Uh, We've got the likes of Will Hughes and uh, and Jimmy Max come back in, into the centre and still Luka Medovic still there. So I don't think that was a huge loss from our perspective, but he's a young player. We scouted him when he was at Ipswich. Um, I think we had a couple of bids turned down when he was there before he went to Swansea, so um, probably left it a little bit late and obviously he's a West Ham player anyway. Um, but, yeah, I looking lower down the division... I don't think there's been a huge amount of movement in a lot of the teams actually so I think it's probably mm. difficult to make that call right now but I've been impressed with City and Spurs particularly and uh, from a personal perspective I'm I'm pretty happy with where Palace are just in terms of last summer and this summer uh, we seem like a completely different club in terms of uh, recruitment side of things so, um, so yeah very pleased.
0: Yeah, Palace seemed to have not really taken a misstep since you released basically your entire starting 11. <laughs> it was like, they, that could have gone so many different ways, but you, you really have done very well building oh, up this kind of new group. Um, I will also take all the the praise for Tottenham, and I'm actually really glad to hear because I, I think what I've seen a lot on Twitter is people being like, you spent 60 million on a backup striker, and like all this stuff about how these aren't exciting signings. But Jake, you, you mentioned it uh, specifically. We have a two-year window. And I don't know if last year counted or not. So, really needed to bring in players that were already familiar with the Premier League, like you were saying, Jay. Needed players that we knew could walk in, do the job. Um, No more of these uh, Ndombele's, which, you know, I hope eventually we'll get back to because that was such an exciting time bringing in such a talented player. But it backfired really heavily. So, we aren't going to... I think in many people's eyes, air quotes, win the window, or like, bring in these wunderkinds that are like, okay now, but maybe they're going to end up being the best player in the world eight years later for some other club. Um, The focus has very much just been on bringing in players that can do the job now, especially with the five subs rule, because I think what we found last year was that Antonio Conte had roughly 10 players that he trusted... But Usually you play 11, Um, so (laughs) having those extra players that he knows he can turn to, adjust things tactically when needed, spell players to prevent injuries, um, all all those things. Uh, Four major competitions now that we're back in the Champions League. So yeah, we we needed bodies. I agree with both of you. I think six is a lot for a new season. I think it shows how thin we were. Um, And to be honest, Conte made it thinner last season when we got rid of four senior players in January. Um, and only brought two back in but his point was that we were perhaps thinner but more complete in terms of the profiles that we had and i think that was kind of the the general idea but it it is a lot of changes and a lot of them are probably going to be expecting minutes pretty regularly in theory we'll be able to give them to them but it, it is a little dicey but i agree with both of you guys obviously on holland you know you don't get to be the best team in england <laughs> and then somehow vastly improve at a faster rate than everyone else that just seems illegal don't, don't. yeah <laughs>
2: Kev, don't worry about it because even though we not uh, yeah, last summer we got rid of fourteen players, but our first season back in the Premier League we signed fourteen players. <laughs> when you consider that we got we, we were promoted through the playoff final, which you have even less time yep. to uh you know, to, to, to get sorted for a new Premier League season, we signed fourteen players. I think it was just like right, I'll have you, you, you and you. Um and that worked out all right, just about <laughs>
0: gotcha well hopefully we have some more success and i did joke on twitter that we either have to sign two more players or no more players because if we sign seven again and we get all the baldini seven memes of like paulinho and nasser chadley and that whole group i actually really like chadley by the way that's a different issue for another day but uh yeah (laughs) i don't want it to be specifically seven for uh obvious reasons uh all right we'll take a quick break and then we'll be back with club specific questions for each of our guests All right, and we are back. Now we'll start with some club-specific questions for each of our guests. Jake, I'll start off with you. You did just kind of have a a, a bit of a rant about how the the transfer window is overhyped, but I do think a lot of people expected Newcastle to be busier within it. Already some good signings. Sven Boatman apparently, A, actually exists, and B, did actually sign for a club. (laughs) It was indeed Newcastle. Uh, Obviously, Nick Pope, a really good signing, and getting Matty Target on a permanent. I think all those are really positive moves, but I think a lot of people would have expected more cash splashiness uh, from the new owners. Uh, are you surprised that, that you haven't done, you know, loads of deals? And how active do you think you'll be the rest of the window?
1: Um, I'm not too surprised. I I would have seen this coming at the end of last season because we we started the summer with, with 33 senior players. So it's all right saying we'll go and spend all this money. But you have to register players. You can't have players sat, at, sat doing nothing. Thing. We had I think we had three players outside the twenty-five man squad in January. I am you know, it needs must in January. We needed players to stay up. Um, but Eddie Howe wouldn't have wanted to repeat, like you can't have players they're taking wages and not in the squad. So it it the really important thing is moving players on. Um, and there's been progress. And um, we've seen Isaac Hayden go, we've seen, we've seen Freddie Woodman go, we've seen Dwight Gale go, Jeff Hendrick. Um so there's definitely movement on that front which is which is positive. Um Seen a few players come in. a Target coming in permanently. i was a little bit surprised about it because it, it seemed that we were, we were looking for a more progressive left back. But I guess I thought that 50 million was was there. It was in in the the loan agreement. It was he played well for us. Sometimes you just got to, to take the simple option and and not go too fancy. They took that. I think Nick Pope. But I think we we're always likely to to sign a player or two from relegated clubs because of the prices. Um, so, yeah, we've obviously got Nick Pope in. He's a, I think he's an upgrade on Martin Dubravka, although some don't think he is, but I think he's a, a little bit better. He's a little bit more. Um, he comes off his line better. Uh, he's um, very good in the air. So, I think he's a, he's a solid signing and, and, and a, an upgrade in that position. Obviously, Sven Botman was a player they tried to sign in January. Didn't manage to get him then um, and, and offered. I think the people in, then, fans were saying, why don't we just pay what Leo want? They give them the 50, 60 million well. We got him for close to half of that now. So it turned out to be a, a good thing to wait. But I think there's been a little bit of false press about the Newcastle project. It's not going to be spending loads of money and getting trying to get there in a year or two. It's going to be slowly building. You've seen they've brought in Dan Ashworth from Brighton to be the sporting director, who's got a very good reputation from his time with England and then Brighton. They've, they've appointed Darren Eales from the MLS, from Atalanta United, to be the CEO there's been plenty more appointments in, in the back office, in, in the front office too, should I say, Um they're slowly building it. It's not going to be, yeah, it's not going to be a, a get rich quick scheme. It's going to be put the foundation in place, bring players in like Bruno and Botman. Those players are sort of 20 to 23 with, with world-class potential and let them grow with the team. Um That being said, um, it's It's obvious that we need to strengthen our attacking options, and now we've you know we've moved what Gale on um hopefully we'll move a couple more on, and then you, you know we'll see those players coming we've been linked to a lot of strikers across Europe that are under the age of twenty one which I think is interesting because they wouldn't have to be registered for the Premier League squad um, hugo ekatike i 'm very happy i don't have to worry about him too much because uh, we spent all January trying to sign him from rems, had a deal agreed again this summer. Seemed like he was going to come in and then they had issues with the agent um, who was sort of flogging him all around Europe and he's ended up going to PSG. So it, it worked out for for the agent, but yeah, I think Newcastle are learning the, the hard the hardships of the transfer market. Um, I think the prices that they're being asked to pay are slightly inflated, but I think that's a, it's a problem of their own making, really. Um, Amanda Stabley came in and said that the aim was to win the Premier League in five years. If you're coming out with those big statements agents selling clubs are gonna take notes of that and charge you more. So I think we've seen a lot of sort of political political play in the press. We've seen Newcastle come out saying they're not gonna pay these prices, uh, the money's not there, they're not as rich as it, they make out. It's you know, and a lot of that trying to, to get rid of that image. And it's gonna take two or three years before that sort of those prices come down, if they ever do. At some point, though, no, they're going to have to pay these prices. They can't, they're going to need to strengthen the attack. If they want to, to challenge the European places. they're going to have to spend this money. So it's it, still early. There's still a lot of time left in the transfer window. I'd be very, very surprised if they didn't add another two attackers. Um, They'd be linked to to Moussa Diaby from, from Leverkusen. They'd be linked to Alexander Izak. They'd be expensive signings, but they'd be signings that sort of match the the abilities of Botman and Bruno and, and that sort mm. of caliber of player. I'd be interested if one of those comes in. I think it's more likely we see maybe a, a couple of, of in the maybe a, a, Ismail Sar has been linked, maybe a player like that, Dwight McNeil, um maybe even um Jack Harrison, I know they're very keen on, maybe a player like that comes in, um and then and, and then might look to do it alone for for Broger as a player that's been linked quite a lot. I think West Ham have moved on from him. So maybe they'll go for that. Or if Everton get in, maybe then the the, the road will open up for Calvert-Lewin. Um, so yeah, I think we're going to see Newcastle make a couple of players. But I think they're being patient. I think they don't want to go out and pay these big prices now. They want to see what becomes available. And they did the same in January. They didn't, you know, they went out and got Kieran Trippier because it was an easy deal to do. They went out and got Chris Wood because of the release clause. Then it got very slow for a couple of weeks. And people are saying they're not, you know, they're not spending this money. They're not, they're not in, improving the team. And then they went and got Bruno, Dan Byrne and Matt Target, three players that improved our starting eleven and played a big part in us getting safe. So I've complete faith they're going to get the players to strengthen the team. But I think people, if people believe that Newcastle are going to go and challenge for the top four in the next couple of years, I think they're mistaken. It's going to be a slow build, and they're going to be very deliberate in the way they do it. And, and as the years go on, as we become Regular top 10 finishers, as we perhaps get into Europe, as we get bigger sponsorships in, we'll, we'll see the club start to spend more. But it's not going to be that I, I know that people that know more about Find out to say that Newcastle could go and spend two, three hundred million this summer, but then they won't have any money in future windows. And I think that's what the club are sort of safeguarding against. I think they have been a little bit self pitying in the way they say, oh, the prices are too high eventually you're gonna to have to pay a price the selling the selling club That's the price. You can't dictate that. Um but yeah, I think that it's people are maybe getting a little bit over critical of Newcastle. I think we'll see how we end up at the end of the window. Um, they've obviously shown they're targeting the right players, but they're just playing the game in the transfer window and now we've got a, a, somebody like Ashworth in to oversee it and take the take the lead on it. I'm sure that we'll start to get see better deals come in. But yeah, it's gonna be slow and yeah i Thought so I'd go on that rant about the the, the transfers because it <laughs> there's a little a lot of false misgivings about Newcastle. We don't have we can't go and spend all that money, and they don't want to. But I think we'll see over the next three, four, five years that they do build a team that's good enough to challenge in that top six. It's just going to take time.
0: Gotcha. Well, then, based on on some of what you said there, n- no uh, expectations of of top four, top six this season. It sounds like. Would you settle for a top ten finish, and do you think that would be enough for for Eddie how to keep his job, or do you think that eventually this ownership group will, you know, look at some huge name that's available and try to bring them in over? And...
1: Um, I I think they've got to go for top ten at least. I think that maybe even top ten would be a little bit of a disappointment. I think they need to maybe go for that top eight, but. No. Okay, there there is a very good squad there. They've obviously got. We saw towards the end of last season, I think in the second half of the season, we were, we were the fifth best team. So you can't, you know, we spoke about transfers get get too much played into them. So if Newcastle sort of carry that form in, even, you know, get a little bit worse, but you know, keep that momentum at home, keep playing that same type of football, they're going to be a good team this season. I think that that's not too controversial to say. I think. Finishing in the top ten definitely is—it has to be the target. I'd hope we maybe push for that 8 or nine, eighth or ninth spot, uh, and maybe go for a cup run. But I guess it depends how injuries go, how other teams improve. Um, but yeah, I, I think we're definitely going to be very good at home this season. And I think that Eddie Howe showed, and this current squad showed how good they could be in the in the matches we played last season. You know, the home game against Arsenal, the um, second to last game of the season. You know. That's that was that was mostly the current group of players. We've only signed a couple since then, and and they delivered a. It was a it was a top four performance for me. So, you know, they can they can play to that high standard. I think there's there's going to be a drop off because it's going to be a, we're not a top five team. But yeah, I think we'll be going for top top ten, hopefully top eight, and and push for the cup competitions. But I see a lot of clubs sort of um, a lot of these pre-season predictions and. The bookies odd seem to think Newcastle's a, a big favourist to finish seventh, the, the best of the rest. I think that that's a little bit fanciful, but um think will be up competing in that sort of seventh to ninth um, spot. So, and I'd be surprised if we didn't finish in the top ten.
0: That's right. We'll go from Newcastle to Palace. There, Jay. Obviously, you have this exciting encore that we've already alluded to a couple of times today, and mm. obviously over the last year. Um, not sure how they're all uh, fitting together. Obviously, the Gallagher thing's a big blow, but as you said, he was not as good down the the back stretch of the season. So, what are your expectations and those of most Palace fans heading into the new year?
2: Yeah, it's interesting because obviously the first season under Patrick Vieira was was a massive surprise. You know, not just for those looking in, but also for us because, you know, bringing in a manager of, you know, the calibre of Vieira, obviously, you know, he had a calibre as a player, but obviously, you know, never managed in the Premier League, had questionable managerial experience elsewhere, but obviously, you know, comes from a Man City background, from learning under Pep and that kind of stuff, which as we look back now, has stood up in, in very good stead, you know, very good season, first season at Palace. So, you know, the expectations are, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because you don't want to get too carried away, because as you know, you could always have second season syndrome, like you know, a, a team surviving the first season and then going to a second season. You know, to to perhaps um, you know looking above rather than looking behind them. But I think you know, in Vieira, we've got somebody who is very sensible, um, is looking for the right player at the right price, as we've already seen. You know, last summer was an exceptional summer, considering it was all doom and gloom in the media about oh, our palace, our palace is going to survive this by having all those 14 players at a contract. Well, you know, let's face it. It did us a favor because a lot of those players are on high wages, been with us for a while. Um, and it gave us the opportunity to bring in fresh young blood basically into, into the squad. And that's, that's how it turned out. Uh, we had a very good squad last season. Um, we haven't so far touched wood. We haven't lost anybody from that squad as such. Uh, uh, Martin Kelly and Che Kiarte, the only two uh, notable uh, players that have, that have moved on. Um and Carter yeah you could question that 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 that's going to be a bit of a big miss for us because he he played most games for us last season and is very very good at what he does for us and has been but you know we have a lot in the midfield you know bringing in Che Decorey who um very good midfielder uh, one of the best across Europe and and like uh, Jake said earlier very surprised that uh, a bigger club in in the Premier League or elsewhere didn't actually go for him. Oh, that may well have done, but you know, maybe not as serious as Palace did. And I think we can thank Patrick Vieira uh, a lot for that because you know he has he has that stature about him from being a player um, and and kind of has has a bit of a draw. Um, And obviously looking at Palace last season, you know, players will look at how we performed last season, um, how exciting, how the brand of football that we played was exciting. Um, And, you know, we were we were unlucky to miss out on the top 10 finish in the end. And, you know, FA Cup semi-finalists as well. Amazing season when you look back and consider, you know, the upheaval of last summer. Um, But Decore has been an excellent addition for us in the midfield. Sam Johnson on a free, uh, another Excellent goalkeeper signing, I have to say. I mean, we we got uh, Vincente Gaeta on a free a few years ago. And then uh, the same for Jack Butland. We got him for a million a couple of seasons ago. And now we've got Sam Johnson on a free, former England keeper, uh, played very well for West Brom. Um, that probably does mean... I'd, because the thing is, I do wonder... I think uh, Gaeta's got one more year left in him uh, at Palace. And I, I think it'll be a case of him returning to Spain to see out his career... Uh, obviously, we have Jack Butland on board and also Sam Johnson now. So we're a bit top paper with keepers. Um, I thought the idea was to loan out Jack Butland for a season uh, with the view that Gaeta would go next season. However, Jack Butland has just broken his finger in preseason. So he's out for two months. So that, that's going to scupper any, any plans for that. Um, but, you know, regardless, Sam Johnson is a very solid uh, addition to the club um, and, a, and, and a proven goalkeeper. England goalkeeper at that age. I think he had get one or two caps for England. Um, elsewhere, we had, um, it's gone under the radar a little bit, but Luke Plange um, signed for us last January. And we loaned him back to Derby. Obviously, Derby's plight was... Such that uh, we loaned him back to them uh, for the rest of the season, played well for them. He's had a very good pre season so far, scored a hat trick against Ipswich the other day. Um, uh, very, very good, skillful player. Um, it's it kind of a bit of a goal poacher as well as couldn't score them from outside the box. Uh, good with his head as well. Um, so that's that's really, really good addition. Also from Derby, Malcolm Ebioe, who has come to the club, um, has gone on tour. They're they're actually back now, but they went on tour to Melbourne, Singapore, played Leeds, United and Liverpool. Um Starr played played very well against United when he came on and uh, like I mentioned before, had uh you know, looked very much like a young Wilf for Zaha. Um and Vieira's come out today and said that uh he's got no intention of loaning him out. He wants him in, in the squad, um, and give him game time. So that's gonna be interesting, you know, with the likes of Zaha, Alise, Eze at the club. It's um yeah, it's very exciting to be honest. Again, I'm looking forward to this new season. Obviously, if we don't lose any of those players, but um, I, I am hearing that Wilf came out and said to a fan yesterday um, that he wants Palace to uh, to be up qualifying for Europe and that kind of stuff, and he's not leaving the club until that happens. Whether that's true. I, I'm hoping it is. Jake alluded to it a little bit earlier in that we don't really hear much about Wilf in trans, uh, summer summer windows anymore, which is music to my ears. There has been a very uh, light link to Roma uh, uh, this summer. But to be honest, Wilf's 29 at the moment. Uh, young kids, young family. I'll be very surprised if he goes abroad. Uh, I'll be very surprised if he leaves to be honest, he's got one year left in his contract. I suspect that that will be sorted out over the coming months, um, so that you know we don't lose him on a free. Should he go at the end of the season, which would be an absolute travesty. But let's face it, we've we've had a good we've we've had a good stint out of over the years. So, um, but I don't believe he's he's going anywhere. So so that's really good news, and I think that's a lot to do with Patrick Vieira at the club. You know, uh, it, it's no secret that Zaha's a, a an Arsenal fan. Uh, obviously, followed Arsenal. You know, when Patrick Vieira was was uh, at his height in, in his playing days. Is for the club so um, I think you know watching Wilf play at the moment or last season particularly he was playing with a smile on his face um, and he's in good form again in pre-season this season so you know uh, things can only get better I think uh, from that perspective um, and obviously on the horizon we have got Chris Richards coming in from Bayern Munich uh, which is a really impressive signing I have to say he was very good uh, for Hoffenheim last season. He was loaned out by Bayern Munich. Hoffenheim uh, uh, played a lot of football in the Bundesliga last season. And um, I think that's a really impressive sign. And when we've got the likes of Joachim Andersen and also uh, Margay centre-backs, there's a rumour that um, we're looking to expand that back line into playing a three at the back. Um, so with that sign of Richards, that really does give us the opportunity to have those three at the back um, the only thing is that we don't really have the full backs to, to convert to win backs but you know it, it's it's a work in progress. You know we we never expect it to be perfect, um, and I think if we're going to start playing that sort of role, we're going to see you know um, yeah you know, some changes along the way as we go. But you know it's a slow burn. We had a very good summer last summer. It's turned out to be a very good summer again this summer. Uh, I don't think there'll be much in a way of panicking in January. I think you know the squad is a squad for Patrick as things stand, and. Yeah, looking forward to the season. I'm hoping that we can continue to progress under under Vieira um, and aim for a top-ten finish. I think that's our next step now. We were very close to it last season. We had the uh, distraction of the FA Cup because we we had a very good first half of the season, which got us into a good position without looking over our shoulders. So um, I think this season, it, I think our aim should be top-ten and then just see, just see what happens from there, really. I mean, you've had teams like West Ham and Wolves qualify for Europe, why not Palace? You know, it's, it, it's we never have. Um, the one time that we did qualify, English clubs were banned from Europe. So I will say no more about that. Um, but yeah, it's it, it, it's feeling very positive at the club at the moment. So um, so really pleased with the continued good work by Dougie Freedman. I have to call out Dougie Friedman. He's had a lot of stick from Palace, fan, Palace fans over the years when he left for Bolton as manager, um, but he takes a lot of credit over the last few years. For the scouting, uh, the scouting network, the recruitment, and everything else that goes with it, him and Steve Parish have done a, a terrific job. So let's um, hope we keep it going.
0: Yeah, gotcha. Tori. Right. Well, we are quickly running out of time, but I did want to make sure to get this from both of you. Which is, uh, which player at your club has most excited you this preseason, and you think neutral should keep an eye on that may not be tuned into them yet?
1: Yeah, for me, I think it would uh, probably be Elliot Anderson. He's played quite a lot in preseason. Um Eddie Howe spoke about him and said that he's a player that, that he wanted to take a look at. But I think that everybody expected him to go out on loan. A lot of the Championship want to take a look at him. And um, He had a very good loan spell at Bristol Rovers in the second half of last season. Scored the goal that, that got them promoted. I think he got something like eight goals, five assists or something. So he did really well at that level. I think at the time we were surprised that he went down to League Two. Um, but, it, but it did him... The world are good, and he's come back in pre-season. And considering we've got attacking issues at the moment, we don't have, we don't really have a, 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 a stand-up candidate to play on the right wing. Um, Elliot Anderson. Every time he's been on the pitch, he, he's played so well. He's sort of um, Joey Barton compared him to Diego Maradona very helpfully during his load spell there, and uh, he's got a little <laughs> bit of a young Gascoigne about him. The way he carries the ball, and he, he's, he's quite physically strong, can can sort of ram his way past players. But he's quite skillful too. Uh, he's got a good weight to pass. So, yeah, he, I'd, I'd quite like to see him stay around, but obviously I wouldn't want that to be at the detriment of, it, of his growth. I guess it depends who we bring in over the rest of the window. I think if we if we do sign a right winger and, and another, another striker, we might decide that there's not going to be as many opportunities from here and he'll go out in the Championship. I think I read today that more than half of the Championship uh, have inquired about him, so he's definitely got a lot of admirers out there. Um, He's only 19 years old, but he looks to have everything to to play at the very top of the game. So I really hope we manage him a lot better than we've managed players in the last couple of years. And I'm sure we will. I think Dan Ashworth, that's what he's been known for at Brighton, is bringing players through, getting the right loan spells for them, um, making sure that the club, before they sign a player, look at what they've got in reserve before they go and spend big money. And and we've seen that at Newcastle this summer and that he's bringing in younger players for the development team. So, yeah, Elliot Anson's the one that we've got at the moment that could really push into that first team. And yeah, he, he's played well in pre-season, so we'll see how that goes. Perhaps he'll go out on loan still, but even if he does, he's a player that, that is worth keeping an eye out for in the championship or, or wherever he does end up. Um, because I think he's going to be a really exciting player and one that could go on and play for England if, if, if his development is managed correctly. Yeah, for Palace, we got a
2: couple. Um, I mean, we seem to do a, a good job in, in bringing through full-backs into the first team. And, and the next one on the production line is Teo Romola. Adamo- he's rumoured to be going out on loan for the season to Coventry City. So we're going to watch that with interest. I think, you know, he probably will get, you know, a few games in the Premier League next season if he's stuck around. But that only depends on, you know, whether we have injuries, especially. That kind of stuff. He, he may well a breakthrough very similar to the likes of uh Turek Mitchell and before him um Wan-Bissaka. but I think a lone spanner championship will do him the world of good and will help his uh his progression. So I think he's one to look out for for sure. Um already mentioned him before, I think early signs, you know, we've we've seen fleeting glimpses of uh Malcolm Aboe, um who we who we've got from Derby on a free transfer um and he looks to be is i think he's gonna be a star I, I really do he's got he's got the talent he's got the confidence to take players on um and yeah it was only pre-season but i think you know shows that in a game derby fans uh, said an awful lot about him from from the games he played last season uh for them so um you know it's gutting for derby fans that they've lost him on a free transfer, but. Um, great for us, I have to say. Great for us, and he fits our mould completely. You know, after the, after the, you know, with the likes of Zaha, Eze, and Alisa uh, at the club, you know, bringing in this guy who's in similar mould to those, it just, yeah, it it, it just uh, it it just uh, sets us off into looking forward to very exciting seasons. I'm hoping he gets a few opportunities this season. Um, obviously, you know, if he does, then it probably means that we've got an injury to one of those other three players, but. Um, I think he will force his way into the side one way or another and it might be a good thing you know with five subs and that kind of stuff that that might be one player that ends up shining through that after everything I said earlier um, so yeah I think a couple of players there are worth keeping an eye on That's
0: what we'll be sure to do so for both, both of those sets of players there from, from Palace and Newcastle and we'll wrap the show up there feel like it was a pretty good one to start off the season so thanks to you so much uh, if you'd like to tell folks where they can find you or anything you're working on now would be a good time
1: yeah, thanks for listening. You um, get me on Twitter at jiggraph with two ends, and anything I'm involved in, I'll post about that. Yeah, cheers, Geoff, for having us on the first show of the season. Always
2: good fun. i um, looking forward to the season, and um, you can. Catch us on all socials. The Eagles Beak, uh, We do lots of Palace, uh, Palace articles pre and post match, and also we're bringing back our chats to the opposition this season as well. After a, after a season out, uh, so we're bringing those back. So uh, and we always like interacting with uh, opposition fans. Uh, sensible conversation, um, always always good fun. And also, uh, I'm a producer and uh, presenter of a local community radio show. You can get online as well, the Meridian Sports Show on Meridian FM. So you can get us on at what well, on all socials at. The Meridian SS. at for Eagles Beak, it's at Eagles Beak.
0: Awesome. And I'm your host, Kevin DeVries. You can find me on Twitter at Kevroth. You can find the show at EPL Roundtable. And of course, you can always email us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Massive thanks to you two again for coming on today. And folks at home, we hope you keep listening.